This message is brought to you by the Tabernacle Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. If you'd like to learn more about our ministries, we encourage you to visit us online at tabernaclehickory.org. That's tabernaclehickory.org. You can find our sermons on a number of platforms, including Apple iTunes, YouTube, and Sermon Audio. We trust that God will use this message to speak to your heart. Let's open our Bibles, please, to 1 Samuel chapter 23. And we'll read just a few verses there, but keep your place there. We'll read the main text, and then we'll go back and look at some of the surrounding story. This week has been uh, just a great week, and if I look at it from the right perspective, every week that we live is a good week. Um, whatever, is, whatever is wrong and whatever is bad, as we would call it, could be worse, couldn't it? Always could be. And... Uh, I'm thankful, though, for a church family who encourages one another. And that's what I want to speak on this morning from 1 Samuel chapter 23. I've gotten a couple of uh, notes recently that uh, have just been a simple note, but very encouraging to me. And sometimes it's just the smallest things that make a difference in somebody's day. And... We come together here to edify one another, right? Be equipped, be edified, encouraged, so that we can evangelize when we get outside of these doors. It's always a blessing to be in the house of God. Uh, we miss our pastor and his family when they're not here with us. Uh, there's something about when, when the pastor is, is here. We don't recognize it too often until he's not. God's hand is on our pastor, and I'm thankful for that. I hope you thank God for your pastor and his wife and family. I hope you're praying for them. And I do know that uh, they are very encouraged by us as well. Uh, if it's just sitting in the, the seat this morning or the kind things that you do for them, and I hope that you'll continue to do that. Uh, don't ever assume, uh, especially as God lays something on your heart or has you praying for your pastor in a special way, don't ever assume that that uh, that's not from the Lord, that's from God, and, and you, you, you follow through with that and be an encouragement to our pastor. And we've also got a responsibility to be an encouragement to one another. And this ought to be a place where we can come to be encouraged. Nobody came here to get uh, a whooping, right, this morning, or any morning that we come. Uh, now, sometimes the Spirit of God uses His Word and does just that. He chastens us and, and convicts us of things we ought to do that we're not, or things we shouldn't do that we are. And I'm thankful. That's love from God. He doesn't have to do that. He can let us go on in our sin and our resistance and our rebellion. But he often uses one another to be an encouragement to the other. And sometimes we never know what someone is going through when God prompts us just to say a kind word or to do something kind for someone else. We see that in the story this, this morning concerning David and Jonathan. And I want to read for you starting in verse 13 of chapter 23. 
after I read, we'll read verse 13 through 15, and then I'll pray and we'll jump into the message. Verse 13, then David and his men, which were about 600, arose and departed out of Keilah and went whithersoever they could go. And it was told Saul that David was escaped from Keilah, and he forbore to go forth. And David abode in the wilderness in strongholds and remained in a mountain in the wilderness of Ziph. And Saul sought him every day, but God delivered him not into his hand. And David saw that Saul was come out to seek his life, and David was in the wilderness of Ziph in a wood in a wood, in the woods, in the mountainside. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we come to the preaching of your word and we know that the power is in your word. I pray, dear God, that you would empty me of self and that you would fill me with your spirit and that as I read the scriptures and give the sense that you would help me to be a spirit-filled preacher and every person that hears to be a spirit-filled listener God, that we would see the importance of the ministry of encouragement. It is a ministry. And I pray that you would help us to not only be grateful for those who encourage us, but to pay it forward and be an encouragement to others. And Father, as a result, I pray that you would edify and strengthen us this morning, that we may do the work that you have us to do when we go outside of these doors today and throughout the rest of the week. And through it all, may it glorify you. I do pray for the one who may not know you as their Savior. They're not sure of heaven. And they're not sure if they're born into your family. I pray that you would lovingly draw them to thyself. That they would see their need of salvation. And that they would repent and believe and be saved. And God, that you would be glorified through that. We thank you again for the privilege we have to be here. Please meet with us in a special way. Please bless our pastor and his family this morning in a very special way. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. We read in in, uh, chapter 23 of 1 Samuel uh, the story of the early days, excuse me, of David. And in chapter 23, he's on the run from Saul. And of course, um, he would do that for 10 years. Can you imagine? For 10 years, David fled from the face and the the fierceness of of King Saul. He rescued, David rescued cities from the Philistines even during this time that that he was running from Saul, protecting God's people, the people that he loved, just to have those cities determined to, to turn their backs on David and to turn him over to Saul. And so he ends up here in chapter 23 in the wilderness regions in a wood, in a forest, uh, in the woods, in a place called Ziph. Now, that was some rugged terrain. There there was no real settlements there. It was was wild. It was, was in a sense, living in the wild. And so David had no bed to sleep in. He he had uh, no microwave to pop his popcorn. He didn't have a recliner. He had no table and chairs and no creature comforts that we enjoy. He had no comforts of home. He was on the run again, and continuing to run for his life. And King Saul was determined to eliminate him. He perceived him as an enemy, and all David had done was be loyal and faithful, but King Saul wanted to eliminate him at any cost. And the scripture tells us that Saul sought him every day. I just want to remind you that you and I can never put our guard down 
uh, in this Christian walk because every single day we have an enemy that's looking for a weak spot, who's looking for us to, to put our guard down so that uh, he can sucker punch us so that he can take advantage and get an advantage in our lives. And you and I have to be aware at all times that the devil is out to kill and to steal from us and to destroy us. And it's a real fight, it's a real battle, and he's a real enemy, and we face him every day along with the pressures of the world and along with our own worthless flesh that one day, hallelujah, will be done away with, never again to hinder us in worshiping and serving the Lord as he deserves. But these were desperate times for David, running every day for his life, having to look around every corner, every piece of food that he scavenged, scavenged every uh, place that he turned, he knew that Saul could possibly be there, find him, kill him, and not only him, his family, and the 600 men who were loyal to him, who had, who had left everything to follow him, who believed in him. Not only was it desperate times for David, but it had to be discouraging times too. I mean, I'm sure, don't you think that David was wondering and questioning the Lord why he was allowing uh, such a trial like this or an injustice like this? You know, David hadn't forgotten the time that Samuel met him and, and looked at all of his brothers, but, but God had chosen David and Samuel anointed him with the oil uh, that he was going to be the next anointed king. Don't you think he thought about that as he's running from the current king? as he's being hunted down by King Saul. I mean, why were all these people against him? It was discouraging for him. It was also very frustrating for him because he had done nothing wrong. It would be a little different if he had done something against Saul and he was running because of his wrong, but he had done no wrong. All he had ever done was be loyal to King Saul. He had fought valiantly for King Saul. Uh, he even, when, when King Saul uh, was troubled, he would even play the harp and, and soothe his, his temper and his anger, uh, his troubled spirit. He was even the king's son-in-law. Now, maybe some of you understand that part of it a little bit better. I don't know. But he was the king's son-in-law. And he had done nothing but give his life to honor King Saul. But Saul was motivated by his own jealousy and his paranoia. And so he chased him ruthlessly and his 600 followers. He had his troops out every day looking for David in these wilderness hideouts. But as the Bible said, God was preventing Saul from finding him. In, in the story, we'll see that David's on one side of a mountain while, and his men, while Saul and his men are on the other side of the mountain. And I can just see them kind of moving around the mountain and God preventing David from being seen. And then when uh, Saul thought he had him uh, cornered, then the Philistines came up again and Saul had to flee away and get his army back to, to protect his people. And so God was preventing Saul from finding David. And we see that in verse 14. Look at it if you would with me. And David abode in the wilderness and strongholds and remained in a mountain in the wilderness of Ziph. And Saul sought him every day, but God delivered him not into his hand. Aren't you glad for the protection of God? Oh, when we get to heaven and we realize just how many times our lives were truly in danger of being taken by the enemy or those that the enemy would use, and God's sovereign protection guarded us. What a blessing. That doesn't mean that we go out and do something foolish to tempt the Lord 
But aren't you glad that he protects us in those times? And so David found himself in the wilderness. He was in the woods. And there comes a time and perhaps many times when you and I and God's people find ourselves in the wilderness. Circumstances take a turn for the worse. Things are not going the way that they should. You're dealt a blow of unfairness. There's a lot of things that are difficult to deal with, but misunderstandings and especially unfairness. When accused of something that you've not done, it's a little different when you know you've done it and you've been accused. But when you're being accused and nothing has been done wrong by you, how difficult that is to take. Or perhaps critical people have shown up and, and uh, they have said their uh, dreadful words and harmful words about you or those you love. It's frustrating, it's discouraging, it's disappointing, especially when it's a, a brother and sister in Christ. You feel like you don't belong in the woods because something is just out of the way. And I'm sure that all this time in the wilderness, it caused David to be weary. I'm sure it wore him down. I'm sure he lost his strength. And even as he's trying to lead and trying to encourage uh, the 600 followers, all he wanted to do was get on with his life. All he wanted to do was for Saul to leave him alone. And then something wonderful happened. In verse number 16, the Bible says, And Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David in the wood and strengthened his hand in God. How good is that? To be at the bottom of the barrel, to be at the place where you just want to give up, to be at the place where you don't think you can take any more, and suddenly his best friend in all the world shows up in the woods where Saul could not find him, but his friend found him. And Jonathan put forth the effort that it took to make his way to find out where he was and to find David to strengthen his hand in God. You know, David knew that his friend had to be struggling with all kinds of thoughts and all sorts of different questions running through his mind. And so he determined to do what he could to help his friend. By the way, he took a big risk too. It was the risk of his own life. Anybody caught helping David would to, was to be executed. As a matter of fact, Saul almost executed his own son one time before, but the men that followed Jonathan wouldn't allow Saul to do it. And so we know that, that Saul would actually do it. But what an encouragement it must have been for David to see his friend. And, and once he got to his friend, he didn't waste any time. Jonathan started right away to help David to see the bigger picture. He reminded him of the promises of God. And so he strengthened David, not in David's personal resolve primarily, but he strengthened him in his relationship with the Lord. And that's what a true encourager does, to be strengthening someone in the Lord. Notice that David and Jonathan didn't sit around and complain about the unfairness of it all. They didn't say anything negative. Look, they both knew that it was negative. They both knew that it was unfair. They both knew that it was wrong. Jonathan knew that his dad was wrong. David knew that his king was wrong. And yet they didn't sit around and waste time uh, talking about it and complaining about the unfairness of all of it. They didn't talk of revenge at all. They, they, they didn't pray an imprecatory prayer. But what they did was act and encourage David in his relationship 
See, Jonathan simply sought to encourage and strengthen David's hand in God. Jonathan wanted David to keep his eyes on the Lord, to keep relying on God, to hang in there, to keep walking with the Lord. And in essence, Jonathan said to David, David, keep your faith. God has already brought you through so many things. He'll get you through this. He hasn't changed. He has a plan in all of this. Don't quit even though you want to and you're tempted to. Well, I would dare say that there are people in this room who have been there or are at that point right now. And oh, how sweet as honey it is when a friend comes to encourage you, not in your own personal resolve, but in your relationship with God. You know, it's a true encourager who will strengthen you in God, who points you to the Savior, who undergirds your faith with their faith. Even David, a man after God's own heart, needed an encourager. And I want you to notice with me in verses 17 and 18 how Jonathan encouraged David. Starting in verse 17, And he said unto him, Fear not, for the hand of Saul my father shall not find thee, and thou shalt be a king over Israel, and I shall be next unto thee. And that also Saul my father knoweth. And they two made a covenant before the Lord, and David abode in the wood, and Jonathan went to his house. So as we think of this story and the position that David is in, and you think of your own story and perhaps the position that you're in, or you know of someone who is in a similar situation, let's look at the Scriptures and find out through Jonathan's encouragement of David of how we can join the ministry of encouragement of those around us who are discouraged. First of all, I want you to notice, number one, if you're writing things down, he calmed David's fear. Fear is always a part of a satanic attack against God's people. Now, I'm not saying there's not a healthy fear. When I say snake and people run, that's a healthy fear. But I'm talking about fear of, of probability, fear of what maybe could be, fear of things that we might assume, fear of those fiery darts of thoughts that Satan brings our way, wondering how things are going to end up, how things are going to be done, how are we going to get through this. I see no hope. I don't see light at the end of the tunnel. And Jonathan came along and calmed David's fear. He said to him, fear not. For the hand of Saul, my father, shall not find thee. Look, David, if he's not found you yet, God is involved in keeping you hidden from him, and he's not going to find you. Don't fear. God is in control of this. Fear not. Maybe he reminded David of his experiences of the past. Maybe he said something like this, David, listen, I know you're facing a king, one that you love one who is your father-in-law, one that you've been loyal and serving. But don't forget, even with all of his resources, even with everything that he's bringing to try to destroy your life, don't forget God has protected you in the past. David, do you remember when you told me about the bear you killed with your hands? Oh, David, God gave you the strength and he protected you from that. Or what about that lion, David? Do you remember that, what God did for you? Do you remember Goliath, the champion, who was 777 feet tall? Do you remember Goliath who was out there and nobody in the army wanted to fight him, but you in the power of God stood up by faith and you charged him with five smooth stones and your little sling. And what did God do, David? Can't you imagine David starting to get a little stirred up? You know what? You're right. 
God has protected me. By the way, if you're going to be an encourager, let's remind people. Let's, let's, let's try to dissolve their fear by reminding them of the things that God has done for them in the past. Hey, listen, you and I were on our way to hell and we deserved it, but God came along and, and sent someone to give us the gospel or several someones until that day where we finally turned to Christ and received him as our Savior. And we are a loved people by our God. He loves us like no other father can. And he has invested all that he is into us. He has given us all things that we need to live a life that is godly and that is pleasing to him. Listen, if we've got God, we've got everything that we need. And we need to remind folks, don't fear. You don't know what's coming tomorrow, but God is already there and he'll meet you when you get there. But don't fear. Isaiah 35, 3 says, Strengthen ye the weak hands and confirm the feeble knees. Say to them that are of a fearful heart, be strong. Fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, even God with a recompense. He will come and save you. We could stop with, behold, your God. It's amazing when you and I get our eyes off of the circumstances and we get our eyes on the power and the majesty and the glory of our Savior, it's amazing how the fear just kind of settles down and the stress just kind of rolls away. If you want to be an encourager, if you want to join the ministry of encouragement, and when you find someone who needs encouragement, you get their eyes looking to God and you uh, help dissolve their fears. But I want you to see number two, he also reminded David of his future. First of all, he, he calmed David's fear. Secondly, he reminded David of his future. He goes on to say, and thou shalt be king over Israel. That's a mouthful for Jonathan to say. And thou shalt be king over Israel. When David didn't know if he was going to live another day, Jonathan believed that David, and he knew that David was going to be king over Israel. And folks, listen, regardless of how bad it looks, you're going to make it. You're going to make it. And I'm going to make it. And God's got a purpose in all of these things. God is going to finish the work in you and I that he has begun. He promised us that. He's going to perform it. You're going to be victorious. We're going to get to the end, you know, get to the end of the battles, and we understand that we've already won. Jonathan not only believed God, but listen, he believed in David too. He believed in David. You know, people sometimes simply need others to believe in them. And it ought not be difficult for us to say to people that I believe in you and I believe God is going to use your life. You know, sometimes we see people that get in trouble, get, in, get involved with sin, and, and, and sometimes our automatic response is, is judgment and sometimes harshness. But understand, it was David who said, Thy gentleness hath made me great. Sometimes a pat on the back goes a whole lot further than a kick in the pants. I'm not saying that we justify someone's sin, but understand that sometimes people get in the habit of that because they are hurting. They don't feel like anybody is for them. Are you listening? And we just need to believe that God can use their lives. And can God use any life that's yielded to him? Absolutely he can. 
Sometimes those people don't believe it. Sometimes I don't believe it. But there are people who encourage me, who believe in me. And there are people who believe in you. God told Moses in Deuteronomy 3.28, But charge Joshua and encourage him and strengthen him. For he shall go over before this people, and he shall cause them to inherit the land which thou shalt see. He reminded David of his future. You remind one another. You remind those you're trying to encourage about the future that God has prepared for us. A place that eye hath not seen nor ear heard what he's uh, prepared for us. Oh, listen, God has for us the victory, the battle already won. And he reminded David of that, of his future. Number three, he convinced David that he wasn't forsaken. You know, the devil loves to, to try to get us uh, polarized, to get us separated. You've heard this before, but you know the, uh, Peter talks about to be sober and be vigilant for your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. He's looking for those who are hurt, who are weak, who are young in the Lord. He's looking for those who are discouraged. And what, he, what Satan tries to do as a lion uh, to the herd, the lion tries to find that one that is weak or that one that is hurt or that one that is young and, and separate them from the rest uh, to, to, to put them in solitude, to get them away from everyone else and to cause them to believe that the rest of the people in the church, the rest of the herd, forgive me, uh, the rest of the, the, the people don't know where you're at and don't care and, and have forsaken you. He wants us to feel all alone, doesn't he? And once he gets us feeling that way, he bombards our minds and our lives to where he doesn't touch us, but we start making foolish and even sinful decisions that bring destruction in our lives. Jonathan perhaps understood this when he convinced David that he wasn't forsaken because he said to him, and I shall be next unto thee. David, look, don't worry. God's got this. Fear not. And you're going to be king. What God has said is going to be accomplished. And by the way, I'm going to be right there with you. How encouraging that must have been for David to know that his buddy. Of all the people uh, that, that he couldn't count on, he knew he could count on Jonathan to be there. You know, sometimes we don't have to have the words to say to people when we know they're hurting or discouraged. You understand this, right? All we need to do sometimes is just be there. So just be there. You know what I've learned through the years? That it's never convenient when somebody needs you to be there. Never. But to be in the ministry of encouragement, it's not about my comfort or your convenience. It's about taking a, a brother or a sister in arms who is discouraged, defeated, disgusted, and frustrated, and to lift them up and to remind them that God's in control, the future is sealed, God is sovereign, he's going to use it, and that they're not alone. They're not alone. Ecclesiastes 4, 9 and 10 say, two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. That's a blessing. 
I hope you are a lifter up of those who have fallen. But woe unto him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. By the way, when you and I are in the position of the fallen, let's be sure that when someone offers a hand, let's grab it. Let's take the encouragement. There's nothing more discouraging for an encourager to encourage someone who won't receive it. So he convinced David that he wasn't forsaken. I will be there next to you. Number four, he revealed the enemy's purpose. The Bible says, and Jonathan's speaking to David, and that also saw my father knoweth. You're going to be king. I'm going to be by your side. And by the way, Saul, my father, knows this too. You know, Jonathan was saying that Saul was jealous and trying to thwart God's will for David. And so in essence, Jonathan was saying to David, hey, fight on. Put one foot in front of the other. I know you feel like you're walking in deep mud, but pull the foot out of the mud and take one more step. I'm going to be with you to help you. You know, our enemy does the same thing. He tries to use people to thwart God's will for our lives. But an encourager understands this. And he says, keep on going. Don't you quit. Keep on fighting. Those words need to be spoken often to many people, don't they? He revealed the enemy's purpose. You know, Jonathan did this even though he knew that David was going to be uh, blessed at his expense, at Jonathan's expense. Because if David is going to be king, Saul knows this, Jonathan knows this, if David's going to be king, then Jonathan wasn't, and yet. He wasn't concerned about his own spiritual well, uh, well-being or his own positional well-being. He was more concerned about David and his well-being. Well, that's a true encourager, a true encourager. Number five, he covenanted with David before the Lord. I imagine they hit the altar together. Jonathan's talking to David, and David says, you know what, Jonathan, I sure appreciate you. You're so right. God's in control of this. I should have been caught several times by now, but I haven't been, and God's been protecting me. And I remember what, what, what God told Samuel to do, and, and I realized that, that it's in God's hands. I'm going to be king, and I'm so glad that you're going to be there with me. And I understand the, the, the enemy's purpose. And the Bible tells us that they too made a covenant before the Lord. What was it? Most people believe that it was an affirmation of the two previous covenants that they had with one another to protect and uphold each other and their children. Well, that's a great thing when you and I can help one another and be an encouragement to our friend's children. As a matter of fact, I can't think of a better way to be an encouragement to a parent than to be a blessing to their children. Amen. You see somebody kid, somebody's kid struggling, encourage them. And you'll be encouraging the entire family. You see a young person having a tough time, encourage them. Try to. Speak to them. Try to encourage them. You know, whatever it was, the great thing about it was that through Jonathan's encouragement, it caused David to humble himself before the Lord and to trust in God. David, so fretful and fearful of all that's going on and his family and the 600 people that, that, that uh, follow him, that this encouragement from Jonathan humbled David. I imagine David went to the Lord in this, 
this time together at the altar. And by the way, may I say to you that, look, as church members, brothers and sisters in Christ, this altar is a special place. It's set apart. It's a special place for covenants just like we're talking about in the Bible, for praying for one another and praying with one another. The staff or, or, or the faculty, they don't always know when there's struggles going on in individuals' lives. But sometimes you do because this person is your friend. There's no harm in encouraging them and praying with them at this altar. This place ought to be a comfortable place to come, by the way. It ought to be a comfortable place to come. There ought to be no pride involved when the Spirit of God speaks to our hearts. When the Spirit of God moves you to be an encouragement to someone else, they made an altar out there in the woods. I'm not suggesting making a public display. They didn't make a public display, but you know what? You can make an altar with a friend anywhere you are to encourage them. Jonathan covenanted with David. It humbled David to realize that he hadn't been trusting the Lord, and so they trusted together. We've got a great opportunity when we pray with people to help them to commit themselves to the Lord again. Because again, that's where the strength comes from, right? And so lastly, number six, the Bible says, and David abode in the wood and Jonathan went to his house. It's interesting. David abode in the woods and Jonathan went to his house. You notice the, the visit of his friend didn't get David out of the woods. His trial went on for a bit longer. But don't you think David's whole view of the woods changed at that moment? He still didn't like it. He still wanted it to be over with. But with his hand now strengthened in God, he could endure it. And sometimes there are just things that will not go away, and God gives us strength day by day to endure it. And because he was encouraged... By his friend, he could endure it and let God work in his life in God's time. In God's time. You see, an encourager cannot remove the person from the woods, but he can encourage him through the woods. I don't have to tell you, there's going to be times in your life when you're going to be out in the woods. You're going to be out in the, the, the fields of discouragement and frustration. You're not going to want to be there, and you're going to hunger for somebody to come and to strengthen your hand in God. Maybe you're in the wood right now and you could use an encourager. I hope that you'll let somebody know where you're at. I hope that you'll let a trusted friend pray with you and someone you can share your burden with that will encourage you in the Lord. Somebody had to tell Jonathan where David was, right? Somebody had to speak up. And maybe you're in the place where you could be a Jonathan. Realize people don't have to and don't need to rehash all the ugly details. Those things can often be left alone. But what people need is somebody to find them in the wood and encourage them, to remind them of the greatness of God, to remind them of the love of God and that they're not alone. Can I just bear from my heart a, a thought and things that I, I've seen? We are fortunate to have people come and, and visit our church, and you've seen this. 
And over a time, it just seems like they some drift away. Well, maybe some of that is God's will leading them to something else or somewhere else. Or maybe it's opportunities to encourage and strengthen someone's hand in God that we're missing. Because we get so caught up in our own issues and our own struggles. But may I remind you that God is more than willing and able to take care of your struggles and mine if we'll do our part to help somebody else bear theirs. But if we stay focused on all of our own issues, and we all have issues, if we stay focused on all of those, then we'll never encourage one another, and Satan picks us off one at a time, one at a time. It's a ministry. It's something to be dedicated to. It's something to be uh, committed to. An encourager. The ministry of encouragement. I'm challenged by Jonathan and his, his spirit. He was an encourager. But I think it was in the moment of greatest need when David was in the wood that Jonathan's encouragement showed itself most powerfully. I think it made a difference in David in not only uh, not giving up, but just think if he had given up. You do remember that through David, our Savior was born. I think the ministry of encouragement is vitally important. You know, in young people, sometimes you, you, you feel like that you, you don't know exactly what to say. It's not just young people, though, is it? But we can always strengthen somebody in God, in their relationship with Him. Oh, how important it is to be an encourager. Jonathan and David never saw each other alive again after that point. And it's no wonder that when Jonathan was killed in battle that David wept bitterly and said, How are the mighty fallen? And Jonathan was mighty for a lot of reasons. He was a great warrior, had a lot of courage. He was mighty for a lot of reasons, but maybe the top reason is because he was mighty in encouraging. May God help us to decide to be encouragers. And may God help you who are discouraged and frustrated, may God help you this morning as a result of the truth of God's word to be strengthened in God. Would you bow with me, please? We've got lots of ministries, and not everyone can be involved in them all, but today I hope to recruit all of us to be faithful to this particular ministry. Maybe God's spoken to your heart about being an encourager. Maybe God has brought someone to mind that later this afternoon you could make a visit or a phone call and encourage them. We then that are strong ought to bear the infirmities of the weak and not to please ourselves. Paul said, even so ye, for as much as ye are zealous of spiritual gifts, seek that ye may excel to the edifying of the church. He said to the Ephesians, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also you do. Or how about 
Exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. May God help us to be an encouragement. Thank you for listening to this message from Tabernacle Baptist Church. We pray that God has used His Word to speak to your heart today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of Tabernacle Baptist Church, you can go to our website, tabernaclehickory.org. That is tabernaclehickory.org. There you'll find additional resources that we pray God will use to be a help to you. If the Lord should lead you to partner with us or make a donation online, you'll find a link provided on the website at tabernaclehickory.org. May God bless you and thank you for listening.